Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of From the Lighthouse. I'm Stephanie and today I'm very excited because we have a new sparkling YA writer who is the, the toast of the town to talk to and that is Jenna Guillaume and I'm going to boast that I met Jenna before she was famous when um, she came to my book club. <laughs> Hi, Hi Stephanie. <laughs> So Jenna is a journalist and an author who grew up in Wollongong and now lives in Sydney. Um, Jenna's formerly editor-at-large for BuzzFeed Australia and is now a freelancer where she writes about very important things like pop culture, identity, feminism, social media, and the most important subject of all, Chris Hemsworth's biceps. Um, <laughs> previously, she spent more than half a decade in the features department of Girlfriend magazine writing about everything from bullying and body image to bad kisses and boy bands. What I like about me is her first novel, and that's what we're here to talk about today. So, Jenna, what I like about yep. me, can you introduce the novel to our listeners? Yeah, so what I like about me is a young adult rom-com about a young girl called Maisie who dreams of having the kind of summer she sees in the movies where she gets some romance and has amazing times with her friends, but uh, things don't quite go according to plan. Her best friend starts like going out with the guy that Maisie has a crush on and her dad is AWOL and there's all sorts of family drama. So um, she's not having the summer she wants, but you know, along the way she kind of learns that that's okay and maybe it'll be even better. This is such a delightful book. I was just saying to Jenna earlier that I read it all in one in one go last night and it was funny and it was delightful and charming and I cried a bit at the end. Um, one of the major themes of the book is body positivity. I was wondering if you could speak to that a bit. So Maisie is a plus-size protagonist. Uh, she, she is really uncomfortable with her weight and her body at the start of the book and I really wanted to take her on a journey where she didn't have to change her outward appearance. She didn't have to lose weight or anything like that, but she became happier by the end. And that was about her own internal processes and learning to love herself. So she ended up entering a beauty pageant actually. And that kind of challenges her to confront her own lack of confidence and to try and do what she can to build it up. And um, yeah, it was really important for me to have that in the book because as a plus size woman myself, I, Never, I very rarely see um, myself represented in the kind of stories I love, which is rom coms. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to do that for Maisie. Yeah, there's a very kind of moving section where she where she talks about representation and how she's never seen, um, you know, women who look like her represented in rom-coms or represented in novels or represented in any kind of popular culture. I thought that was very cleverly done because she talks about the effect of representation. I think. <laughs> Yeah, she, she talks about, I think um, what I really want to put in there was because Maisie is, as a character is so obsessed with pop culture and movies, kind of like myself. <laughs> and um, I wanted to talk about how damaging it is to see when you do see representations of yourself that they're really awful and negative. So often in movies and TV shows, especially um, when there's, there is a plus size character or a fat character, they are the butt of the joke. There's lots of jokes about their weight. There's lots of jokes about what they eat. They're really seen as kind of repulsive. And like, if anyone's attracted to them, that's treated as a joke because how could anyone be attracted to them? So I, yeah, I wanted to kind of call that out. I will say there are some exceptions to that, of course, but the general rule is it's really negative. Yeah, especially, I mean, 
you know, thinking back to the, the pop culture of the 90s when I grew up and when you grew up, it was very, it was very much not the norm to see these kinds of representations. Oh, yeah. The, I mean, Fat Monica on Friends is a classic example of oh, that, yeah. <laughs> where it's just like the fat suit is just used as a joke of like, oh, she used to be fat. How hilarious is that? And that's the joke. Like, how and is then, that a joke? Yeah. And then she got better by getting thin. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Another aspect that I really loved about this book is the way that you represent friendships because there are all kinds of friendships in the book. It's not just a very, um, you know, your friends are, your, you know, so wonderful and uncomplicated. I was wondering if you could speak to, like, um, the complexity of friendships, I suppose, in this book. Yeah, that was actually one of my starting points for the book. I really wanted to explore um, how complex female friendships are when you're a teenager especially because they can be so fraught. They're so important to you, but it's such, like, a tricky area to navigate. And so I started with the character of Anna who's Maisie's best friend and they have a really complex relationship you know Maisie feels very secure and um, feels like like less important than Anna and Anna sometimes in unintentionally makes Maisie feel that way as well I think sometimes intentionally as well I think she does have a little bit of a nasty side to her I know I was um, very angry with her throughout this book <laughs> yeah. yeah she I think Anna herself is very insecure and I think she has Maisie around a little bit to prop herself up, which is really toxic for a friendship. Um, so I had that and I wanted, I wanted Maisie to be able to learn to recognise what was toxic about that relationship and um, kind of grow from there. But I really importantly didn't want it to be the only representation of female friendship because um, I think it's really tiring if we only ever see um, negative portrayals of female friendship and the idea that women can't get on because women can get on um, and so that's why I introduced the character of Layla who is this girl that Maisie meets at the beach and she's just a really positive and vivacious person and she is a, turns out to be a really great friend to Maisie she really props her up and tells her she's beautiful um, and fat you know like Anna is the kind of friend who tells her oh you're not fat you're beautiful which is just a lie because Maisie is fat and um so the fact that Layla turns around to her and says like why can't you be both is yeah. a really important moment for Maisie because it kind of changes her whole mindset and I think their friendship really grows from there and that made me really happy to write. Yeah I really liked the way that um that Layla made her think and as, as well as other friends and, and her sister I think as well made her think about it's not about bravery like to show your body as a fat person isn't about being brave it's just about being yeah totally yeah oh, thank you yeah I think especially when it comes to um the beach and that kind of thing like the idea that um there's only one kind of bikini body or an ideal bikini body to go to the beach in is so ridiculous because it's like if you've got a body and you put a bikini on it that's a bikini body and okay. the idea that if you're not stick thin you're brave for, for daring to go out in public with um you know a bikini on which is just a functional item mm. um is kind of, kind of ridiculous amazing ones that yeah, I mean, I really loved the way you translated to the, the rom-com, all of the kind of features of the rom-com that we're going kind to of use to, um, you know, the big event that kind of is the, the climax of the, of, the, of, the, of the book into an Australian context. I found that so refreshing because I'm so, you know, I'm a big consumer of rom-coms, as I know you are too. And it's just, you know, it's the prom, it's the, you know, the football game or something like that. And I loved that you said this in a, 
you know, Daggy Caravan Park and <laughs> with like a, a slightly cringeworthy beauty pageant, you know? Oh, thank you. No, I'm so glad because that was definitely my like very deliberate intention. When I started writing, um, you know, all that I had was the idea that I wanted to take a summer romance and set it in Australia because I'm a massive consumer of, of rom-coms and summer romance. And I just, they, I just felt like everything I had seen was American, maybe British, but mostly American. And it's such a different experience to, to our summer, you know, with, mm. um, you know, Christmas and New Year's and cricket and mozzies and, you know, all of the things that go along with it. And I, I really wanted to see that kind of um, transformative Australia, like rom-com story set in an Australian setting. And it struck me too that like a lot of the American rom-coms, because they like go away to like summer camp or, you know, they have these experiences that are untethered to their parents and their family. This one was was very kind of like one of the kind of um, sub-narratives, I suppose, that goes off off the main storyline is what's happening with Macy's parents and um, how she relates to her parents and how she relates to her friend's parents. And I thought that was a kind of fun aspect of like the Australian setting because we, we don't have those summer experiences untethered to our families. No, absolutely. I feel like a, a kind of staple of Australian summer is you do go away on these family holidays or even if you don't get to go away, um, you know, you're kind of stuck with your family yeah. for a, a couple of weeks and um, because it is Christmas and it is New Year's and it's all those holidays that are so family oriented. So it was really important for me to have the family in there. And I also think in YA in general, like there's not enough families or there's not enough parents. I know it's very convenient to just kind of either kill off the parents or they're mm. off the page somehow because then the teens can get up to all their adventures. Mm. But um, that's, that's not the reality. So I definitely wanted to have the parents in there. And it's such a complex relationship that you draw with the parents as well. You know, she, she relates to her mother in a certain way and she has these perceptions of her mother and then she has these perceptions of her father too and they have a very different relationship. And those perceptions are kind of gradually broken down by um, as the book proceeds. So I thought that was... Um, a real kind of strength and something that was quite unusual, I think, in the in the um, rom-coms or the YA that I've read, with that real focus on the on the relationship to the parents. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I I mean, I it's it's Maisie's journal, so it's very filtered through her perspective mm. and the way she interprets um, the actions of the people around her and her parents. And um, you know, I wanted the parents to be complex and to have complex relationships with each other and also with Maisie but um you know Maisie sometimes interprets their actions in a way that they're not intending um Mm. but I think that's really really typical of teenagers so I wanted to explore that yeah I mean it's you know it's a funny moment when you realize in your life that your your parents are people you know (laughs) like you you just think of them as your parents and you don't necessarily think of them as people with their own things going on yeah absolutely I was wondering too if you could talk about um, like how you came to to structure it as a journal because she starts off, um, it it is a journal and she starts off quite resistant to the idea of journaling but by the end you can see how she's really getting something out of it. So I was wondering how you came to that idea to to set it up as a journal. When I first started writing, it wasn't a journal. I actually, um, I think I rewrote the first like 10,000 words about five times and it was Uh, kind of going back and forth between um, past tense, present tense and that kind of thing. But it was always just like a standard first person narration. Mm. And um, I kind of was struggling to move beyond that point. 
And then I was actually at my parents' place and they made, my dad made me like clean out this box of the year 12 assignments that I had under the bed yeah. and I was going through it and I found this journal that I had to keep for English um, in year 11 or 12 and it was about we studied alienation and belonging yeah um, I had to keep this journal and I was reading it and I was quite surprised at like because I was a bit of, like I was a nerd and I wanted to do well at school but I was also a bit of a smart ass I suppose but I was surprised at how much of a smart ass I was in this journal and just like <laughs> really really resistant to doing it and um I had handed it in and just reading that um that is what sparked the idea of oh maybe that's what I can do with this book I can um do it as a journal and it's a school assignment journal it's about discovery because that was what year 12 did until like literally last year or something um, these <laughs> yeah. days but um, um, so, and then I got, yeah, I got the idea of like, she's, she's resistant to it and a bit of a smart ass about it because, um, I kind of just like, I liked the idea that she's this character who's not totally confident, but she has this inner world that is kind of really loud and, and proud in its own way. And, um, the journal seemed like a great way to explore that. Yeah, I mean, it struck me that she has such a kind of unique and really well-developed voice and, you know, she, I could I could hear her in my head, you know, I, and, and that's not just a function of the first-person narration, but she just had this kind of, you had this sense of herself, like she's really smart and she's very sincere, but at the same time she's a bit of a smart-ass, as you say. How did you come to, to create that voice? Was that difficult or...? Well, once I started writing in the journal, um, the journal style, that really unlocked the voice for me. And um, it just, that was when I was able to move on with the story and finish the book because it really just clicked something inside of me and it really poured out from there. And her voice was so strong in my head um, and then on the page. And it was always like, I just felt like she was just roaring to life. <laughs> um and it was really delightful. I, it was unexpected because I think until that point I'd been floundering a little bit and feeling like, oh, maybe this will never be anything. Um, so it was it was really wonderful to unlock that voice. Yeah, it has such a, you know, like we, we read a lot of um, developing writers in, in the English department and it seems to me that, that capturing that, that strong voice is, is really significant and, and special about this book. Um, oh, also, thank you. Um, I was wondering too about your influences. Like, what were you? I know that you're a big romance and rom fan. Um, what sort of stuff were you reading, or what sort of stuff were you influenced by when you were writing this book? Well, Dirty Dancing is obviously a big influence yeah. because um, <laughs> that's actually part of the story, yes. and it was a good excuse to rewatch Dirty Dancing a few times. <laughs> um, I would say, what else is that now, right? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, I think, look, in terms of writers, I would say, I think like Jacqueline Moriarty is probably an influence on me. I think um, her really quirky voice and the non-traditional um, narration, hers is through letters um, in uh, the Feeling Sorry for Celia and Finding Cassie Crazy books. Um, I think that kind of inspired me to be like, oh, this is, it's possible to tell this story in a different way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think what else was an influence. Um, I tried to, once I started writing, I really tried to not be influenced as much as possible. Um, I didn't read too much YA while I was writing it. And I especially stayed away from um, 
any YA that I felt like would be too similar to what I was writing because I didn't want to be like unduly influenced. I know, for instance, while I was writing um, Dumplin' by Julie Murphy came out mm-hmm. and that's about a plus size protagonist who enters a beauty pageant. Yeah. And when I heard about it, I was like, oh no, this is exactly <laughs> what I'm writing. And I had a little bit of a meltdown. And I was like, well, I can't write this now. And I kind of, I t- talked to, um, I was doing a writing course at the time and I talked to my teacher about it and she was, she said, don't worry about it. You know, this, um, this is going to be different because this is an Australian story. That's an American story. And also you've just got to write what's in your heart and go from there. So I kind of decided, look, I got to, I've got to write this story. This is what I really want to do. And if it never gets published because Dumplin's already out there, you know, that's fine. But I had to write it for me. And I mean, luckily, I mean, I think I have since read Dumpling after I, finish editing because um I I didn't read it while I was writing or editing but I I read it afterwards just to to see if if I had accidentally written anything too similar and they're quite different stories I mean I know the basic premise is the same but they are very different so you know I think the more plus size protagonists the better so I'm happy that they both exist in the world yeah I mean it's not the same story it's it's just a a flowering of fiction about about plus size protagonists which is a fantastic thing yeah, definitely. The more the better, especially positive representations. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was wondering too, since you're a first-time novelist and you're a young, hip, funky novelist, if you wouldn't mind, <laughs> um, I went to your book launch and you were wearing a very funky dress and you had very funky cupcakes, so I, I can say this with confidence. Um, <laughs> I was wondering if you might, because a lot of our students listen to this, obviously, I was wondering if you might give some advice for first-time novelists about, you know, how to, how to find that voice and, and how to think about writing as a career. Yeah, it's interesting because writing is something that I've wanted to do for years and years. I mean, I am a writer, like, in my professional life in terms of as a journalist but writing fiction is something that I've wanted to do since I was at least a teenager probably earlier but Mm -hmm. I was always really scared to do it um I actually remember so I did journalism at uni and um in my final year I had some free like electives and I I enrolled in one of the creative writing courses because I was like okay this is it I'm gonna try this I'm gonna try this fiction writing thing I hadn't really done it in years since like very very early high school like school assignments and that kind of thing and um I sat in like one lesson of creative writing and just like was just so overwhelmed and um, felt like I didn't really fit in with the class, so I, I dropped that subject. <laughs> That's, because <laughs> like, That's because you didn't do it at Macquarie. I know exactly. This is at <laughs> Wollongong Uni, so you yeah, know, yeah, no disrespect right. to Wollongong, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's all good. Yeah, so it was just like I wasn't because as soon as I talked about you know having to share your work, I, at that stage in my life, I was just not ready to do that, and I was like, no yeah, way, I cannot yeah. write, write anything. So I full like I have so much respect for people that are you know, at that stage and ready to do it because I was not at that, um, at that age, but so that kind of scared me off for a little while. And then, um, it was something that like was at the back of my mind while I was working. And I finally, I ended up enrolling in a really short course. Um, it was like a six week course, um, about creative writing. And even then, like I did the course and I learned the basics, but I still, um, I started writing a couple of things, but I still wasn't quite ready to launch head into it. I was, I'm like, I'm a very anxious person and I'm full of self doubt. So I really let that get in my way for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, I also had this idea that 
I was like, oh, well, um, you know, imagine like writing like 50, 60, 70,000 words and then nothing ever coming of it. Like that idea really scared me because it felt like, oh, that would be a waste of time. And it was only, you know, um, after like lots of years and internal processes and and lots of false starts with different books that I really shifted my mindset and um, decided that, it wasn't about, it wouldn't be a waste of time because I think no writing is wasted. It's all, even if no one ever reads it, it's all, a, it's all you learning to be better and learning about your own writing. And, um, you know, the more you do it, the better you get and the more you learn. So yeah, no writing's ever wasted. So I, I had to like really let go of that idea that it had to be a certain way and it had to be published in order for it to be worthy. Um, yeah. I really just focus on the act of writing itself and know that, um, no matter what happened, I was going to be satisfied with having written. Um, and that was what really helped me to then, um, yeah, finish the manuscript and um, which ended up getting published. But that was, that was kind of the icing on the, on the cake. I was really proud of myself for just having finished it. Um, so, sorry, that's a really long and rambly answer. But the, the TLDR of that is that just like, don't, don't get in your own way. Like, don't be your own worst enemy. Um, I, I know how that's much easier said than done and like the self-doubt can be crippling, but um, you know, it's, it's, it's a famous cliche for a reason. It's like, you can't edit a blank page. You can't do anything with a blank page. You just need to give yourself that permission to just write. And even if it's not what you want it to be, you can go back and try and make it what you want it to be, but you've got to just get the words down to start with. No, I think that's fantastic advice. I don't think that's, that's um, rambly at all. And I mean, I think it's, it's important. It's like, that you did go back, you know, you mentioned that you, you wrote the first 10,000 words, you know, four or five times and yeah, that's, that's the way it's done. You know, sometimes you have to do it. It is. And look, that, that was over the course of probably, I think I started writing what I like about me probably it was like end of 2014 or beginning of 2015. And then it wasn't until, and then, yeah. So about two years later, that was when I had the idea to do um, the journal style. That was when I sat down and started writing every single day. And that was when I finished it in 2017. So um, yeah, over the course of that two years, I was just getting it out every few months, rewriting that first 10,000 words. And I was so frustrated with myself and just felt like, Oh, this is never going to happen. Like you're fooling yourself. If it was, if it was meant to be, you would have done it by now. Um, you know, all those kind of awful words yeah. that you berate, berate yourself with, but looking back in hindsight, I feel like that was just my process and that was what it, it needed to unlock that story and to make it what it needed to be. And I definitely, you know, I, what I wrote as at, in 2017, I probably couldn't have written in 2015 anyway. Like I had gone through my own life experiences and got perspective on certain things, especially with all the body positivity kind of stuff. So, yeah. you know, um, as hard as that process was at the time, it made the book much better in the long run. Yeah, and sometimes you've just got to kind of keep going and keep going. It's a long road, isn't it? You know, so if you started at 2014, it's just coming out now in 2019. So that's a five-year road that you've been down. And I think that we yeah. have to like expect or, or hope for things straight away. And it's, it's really a long, kind of real, it's a hard process. I mean, we can't get away from that. Absolutely. And it's a very long process. I mean, especially for someone like me, I like I work in um, digital media and I'm so used to like instantaneous, like I write something, it's published, I get feedback straight away. It's done in a day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this is like the extreme opposite. Like you say, like four or five years of work. Um, yeah. And 
um, and now it's, it's finally out in the world and I'm only just kind of starting to get some feedback on it. And um, I mean, and a lot of people will read it and I'll never know that they've read it, which is That's really right, yeah. bizarre to me because I'm so used to being like, I can, I can tell you exactly how many people have read every single bit of my writing um, online. So yeah, it's such a different world, but it's, it's so rewarding and you know, it is really hard work, but it, it's worth it. Um, yeah. Yeah, it is. So are you writing at the moment something new or um, where are you planning yeah, I, career? Yeah, so I have a two-book deal with Pam McMillan and um, I am, I'm, te- I'm writing at the moment in the sense that I have a work in progress that I probably yeah. haven't touched in a couple of months because, um, you know, with what I like about me coming out, I was re- I've been really focused on that. And that's something that I'm learning as well. You know, once I had finished what I like about me, I was like, oh, this is, you know, great. I've done it now. I can do it again. But it's interesting, the challenge this time around has been um, trying to balance that with also working full time and then also, um, yeah, trying to write the manuscript and edit the first one and then launch it as well. It kind of, I have less time than I had before. Um, So that's a challenge, but it's, um, you know, I think that's something that I guess all new writers go through a lot of people talk about second book struggles. So (laughs) I feel reassured by that. But yeah, so what I'm working on at the moment, it's another um, YA standalone and it's uh, um, another rom-com vibe, but it's, it's quite different, but it's set in Australia as well. Um, I can't say too much about it. I have pitched it to my publisher and I'm just waiting to hear back on if they like the idea or not, but I'm about 18,000 words in um, cause I'm not a planner at all. So I kind of had to write that much just to be like, okay, yeah, I definitely have a story here and yeah. I'm, I'm happy with it. So I wrote that much and then I pitched it to them. Um, so yeah, hopefully they'll like it. If they don't, it'll be back to the drawing board. <laughs> <laughs> um, well too, I mean, I, I can't wait for you to write something else because this is so delightful, but, um, do you have like a, a, a routine? Like, do you, do you do your writing at a particular time at a particular, you know, place because a lot of our students are really busy they work they do study and they you know sometimes they might be inclined to kind of say oh you know I don't have time to fit writing into my life so therefore I can't do it do you, how did you manage that working full-time and writing that was a real challenge uh with what I like about me one of the things that did delay it aside from my self-doubt and all of that was um just working full-time and I'm I'm naturally a night person so I had this idea that Um, you know, I should be writing after work and I tried it and tried it and tried it and it never worked because, because I was writing all day and online all day. Um, By the time I got home, I was mentally wiped out and just creatively exhausted. So there was just, wasn't much coming. And um, it wasn't until I was like, well, this isn't working. I've got to try something different that I actually created a schedule for myself this is something that I used to do at uni and I, I hadn't done it in years and I brought it back, but I created a schedule for myself, which had like everything in it. it had like meal time, exercise time, TV time, um, all of that, but also most importantly, writing time. And I really stuck to it. Um, and so I basically trained myself to be a morning person, even though I'm not a morning person at all. Mm-hmm. And I forced myself to go to bed much earlier than I would naturally go to bed. And I got up an hour earlier before work every day and just wrote for an hour in the mornings and I was really surprised at myself because like I said I'm not a morning person but just doing that hour and even if it wasn't even if I didn't get much written just the fact that I was creating that habit of doing it every day um, and putting putting my writing as making it a priority and you know turning on like rather than 
because I watch a lot of TV. <laughs> and like, so rather than watching an extra, yeah, rather than watching an extra episode of TV at nighttime, I'd be like, no, that like this episode of TV is not more important than my writing. Yeah. Uh, so really prioritizing that, and that was that was how I got it written. Um, so, and because I was writing in the morning, I was then going to work feeling like having a sense of achievement and feeling really happy and proud of myself that I had done that. And that really energized me to, even when I got home from work, I was able to continue writing because I was so excited about it. And I really wanted to get back to what I'd left in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was how I did. Yeah. So that was how I did the first one. I will say um, then trying to do that with the second one <laughs> um, has been a challenge as well. I think, like I said, because I was also editing the first book and um, wanting to launch it as well that kind of ate into my writing time and when I tried to reestablish that morning routine it was more of a challenge Um, but you know I like I said like I have done it before and I think it's really just about prioritizing your time and I know it's really hard like I you know I'm addicted to the internet I'm addicted to Netflix Um, you know and amongst it all like you know you have family friends uh, work you know exercise all sorts of commitments uh, household chores um so it it is really hard to find the time but I think if it is really important to you um you you just need to figure out a way to do it and look if even if that's only an hour a week on the weekend like that's better than nothing and that is um that's all like stepping stone towards having something complete yeah, I mean, you, you just you just do a little bit at a time and eventually it'll add up to a whole lot of words. Exactly. Like an hour a week is um, is like 52 hours a year. That's better than zero hours a year, you know? Yeah, precisely. Now I have one question to ask you and then one comment. Um, my question is The Rock or Arnold Schwarzenegger? <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger, 100%. <laughs> that is absolutely correct and Macy would approve. Um, yep. Sorry, Lena. And my other comment was that thank you very much for giving your main character a stunning ball gown that has pockets. Oh, pockets are the most important thing in any dress, in any item of clothing, like more pockets for women. (laughs) Co-signed, co-signed. Thank you. I I think I might have actually said yes when I got to that bit. (laughs) 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 this has been so much fun jenna thank you so much for talking to me today about what i like about me my pleasure thank you for having me so this has been another episode of from the lighthouse if you could please rate and review us on apple Podcasts, that would be very much appreciated we'll drop links into jenna on twitter where she tweets about all sorts of things um including game of thrones (laughs) (laughs) your twitter from before um and we'll put links to the book as well online if you've got any suggestions for future episodes you can write to us um, at the contact page at fromthelighthouse.org thanks again jenna thank you and we'll see you again in two weeks